0: I'm Dr. Mandy Leno, and this is Enough, the podcast. I'm calling out all my overachievers today. This episode is for you if everything that you do has to be outstanding. So you're the gold standard of winning at life with your family and friendship circle. You're intimidatingly impressive, which you secretly love. And people are always commenting on your stellar work ethic on your 360 work reviews. But secretly, you're exhausted and overwhelmed by the pressure you constantly put on yourself to perform. So this might feel like your natural way of working, but is that really true? If I had a goatee, I'd be stroking it here. Maybe the need to push yourself to the limits is a belief that you inherited somewhere along the way. And now it just feels like who you are in the world. Today's guest is Dr. Aaron Baker, a transformational coach with a doctorate in social psychology. In their previous career, Dr. Aaron was a user experience researcher at Facebook and at Microsoft. And a little aside, Dr. Aaron has the most rad collection of bow ties I have seen in a very, very long time. Growing up, Aaron was an anxious kid who had two overachieving parents, both professors and the pressure to perform academically was real
1: if i didn't completely achieve and overachieve and continue to to be the top in everything that there would be a moment when i would be on the street homeless or working at burger king and i i mean to the point where i thought that's i'm going to die
0: Dr. Aaron is going to share how they learn to unwind those overachieving beliefs and return to their natural state of productivity. They also share a brilliant tip about MVP, something they call minimal viable productivity that you can experiment with. But first, let's find out where some of Aaron's beliefs about overachieving were laid down in the first place.
1: I have a very vivid memory of when that achiever came super online. And it was my junior year of high school, my fall semester. And my mom was a visiting professor about 2000 miles away from home. I was on the golf team. I was in the marching band, taking a whole bunch of, you know, high-level classes And up until that point, I had not been that concerned about achievement. I got decent grades, but I was more of a how can I do well without exerting all of my energy type of person. And maybe someone would call that lazy. I've got some laziness stories, but um, I remember coming home with my report card that semester and. Again, I was on the golf team in the marching band. My mom was 2000 miles away. I don't think I mentioned my dad was also quite uh, an ill person. So I was basically taking care of the household and I came home with three A's and three B's and my dad went off on me. And his line that I will never forget is that if I continued to get grades like this, I was going to work at Burger King for the rest of my life. I know you think about it now as a 37 year old, almost 38 year old, and that seems incredible incredibly ridiculous. But in that moment, I was freaking terrified that the way I had been doing things my whole life was wrong, and that I needed to bust my ass. And so from that day forward, I was in proving my worth, proving my uh, intellect, I was I I remember getting to college and I had one B plus in my entire college and I cried because I thought I'd failed. And so it just perpetuated a cycle of like, I would continually, I talked about it like an ocean of proving, like you get up to for air, you take a deep breath, sigh of relief and you go right back to the bottom of the ocean and you're swimming and you're swimming and you're swimming and the pressure is there. And as you swim up, the pressure relieves, you get to top, take a breath right back down again. And so that was my cycle of achievement for years with everything I was doing.
0: Can you think back to any moments in your life where a belief was laid down that your worth must be earned? And how did you internalize the message that your performance academically or maybe in sports mattered more than anything, even more than your joy and fulfillment and rest and inner peace? Maybe there was pressure from a parent or a teacher to be remarkable. Like a life of ordinariness is somehow equated with mediocrity and being a loser. And fear is often part of these dialogues, right? Like, you'll never amount to anything. Or like Dr. Aaron's father said, you'll end up working at Burger King. Sidebar, there's nothing wrong with working at Burger King. It's just these references to different occupations Ditch digging, I heard that one <laughs> as a kid. But the point of bringing this up in the pod is not to discredit any legit occupation. I just wanna make that clear. It's more about what happens when we hear and internalize these fears as young people, especially when they're dished out by somebody that we respect as an authority figure. So did you listen to episode 25 with clinical psychologist, Dr. Anne Lane? Oh my God, she's brilliant. Do go and check that one out if you haven't already. We were talking about parenting for good enoughness. And I'm really curious. Oh God, Anne, I wish you were here. I'm sure you'd have something clever to say about this. I wish you were here.
2: Bandy, it's me, Dr. Anne Lane. Erin worked so hard to surmount this fear, to move through this awful situation, to make things better not just for themselves, but for their mum, for their dad, to make everything better. And that's enormous pressure. We often call this the hustle, the hustle of life. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to move faster, you have to do better, you have to achieve this more. And trying to continue working under that level of of pressure against this backdrop of fear burns people out. If this is you, if you can relate to what happened to Erin, I want you to know two things. One is just realizing we're working from a place of fear. We're working from a sense of not enough, that we're trying to work faster and harder than we can sustain. That moment when you realize that, that's a moment of change. That's a moment where things begin to slow and soften and you can just begin to get your breath. You can begin to stand back. So The first thing is that that moment is precious. That realization is is alchemy. It changes things around. When you see what's happening and you can stand back, that's a very important first point. The second thing I want you to know is that noticing that pressure, there's been the practice, the practice of noticing that discomfort and trying to give yourself permission in small ways through the day, through the week, through the year, to step back from it. It might be noticing the person praising you for handing something in on time, or doing a really good job. Noticing the discomfort the next time when you're not ahead of the game, when you're handing in something that's, that's good enough, perhaps, and allowing that to be, pressing send on the email, stepping back from that praise, that, that sort of public approval, and trying to recenter each time, recenter so that small voice internally, which says, This is not the way, this is not something I can sustain. And that's a daily practice. That's a daily practice, and it happens in small amounts through the day. And it's that compassionate care for ourselves. So when we're doing this, it's normal to feel really uncomfortable.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Anne Lane. Did you know that she has a new book coming out called Nurture Your Child's Emotional Intelligence? Five Steps to Help Your Child Cope with Big Emotions and Build Resilience. Check it out. Dr. Anne is so right that coming from this place of fear and hustle can burn us out. How did Dr. Aaron know that they couldn't continue pushing themselves like this anymore? What was the turning point?
1: 2017, my mom came down with um, an illness and uh, real suddenly to the point where she was in the ICU for a month. We weren't sure if she was going to live. And I wish I knew in that moment again, that this was the time because I was sitting there, she's in the ICU struggling for her life and I'm working at Facebook and I'm analyzing data from Mark Zuckerberg to launch Facebook stories to the world. But that was the, the, the start. And then For six months, my mom was in a rehab hospital because she, thank God, she made it through. Um, She had spinal meningitis. Mom's relearning to move all of her limbs. And I'm flying home between San Francisco and Arizona every couple of weeks. And when I'm at home, I'm thinking about my team I manage. When I'm at Facebook, I'm thinking about my mom. And I finally got to this moment where it was about four or five months after my mom was in the hospital. And I just said, what the hell am I doing this for? Do I really want this? Do I really want to be moving up the chain at Facebook? What is this achievement even about? And I sat there and I looked at my mom and went, does she care if I become some big shot at Facebook? No, she cares that I'm right here in front of her face while she rehabs. And it was really my mom having this illness that had me go, wait a sec what is actually the most important thing? What is my, and, and it started having me question, what is, what is my value? What is my worth? Achievement didn't matter to my mom, being with her mattered.
0: So a big life event makes Dr. Aaron question what they were actually getting their value from. Maybe you've had moments like this that make you think, hang on a minute, what am I driving myself so hard for? who is this actually for? Where did it come from? Next, Dr. Aaron is going to share how they started to unwind and unburden that achiever part of them and how they started to discover what self-informed productivity actually felt like. They're going to refer to their achiever part. And in the video, which you obviously can't see, they hold up this little koala toy that for Aaron is a visual they can use to look at to embody their achiever part. And no, you don't need a koala toy to start unwinding your achiever part. But hey, feel free to get creative if that's your jam. Okay, let's get back to Dr. Aaron.
1: I'm going to reference back to one of your other guests, the lovely Allison Crow, because uh, the thing that has helped me most with my undoing, and let me pause and I'll say the reason this has helped me most with my undoing is that there's been a lot of, in the last few years, intellectual understanding around, oh yeah, this doing versus being thing. And I'm in coaching circles and we're talking about it. And I get it up here in my head. But I haven't really been able to shift my relationship, my behavior, my emotional relationship to the doing from that space until I discovered internal family systems, which is the framework that Allison really talked about. And the idea being that we are made of multiple parts, right? And one part could be your overachiever. And so I actually brought today my little overachiever. He's a little koala bear with a yellow top hat, an Australian top hat, and he's got a little Australian thing on. So imagine this little overachiever. And what I've learned through the internal family systems model is that there are a whole lot of reasons my achiever needs to protect me from the world. And some of it is trauma. So that moment with my dad is a traumatic experience. And then some of it's the messages I grew up with, um, whether it's my parents or my teachers, Some of it's the messages I got as I achieved more in Facebook, in my PhD, even in the coaching world. And then there's, you know, the messages that society tells us about our productivity. Capitalism really wants us always productive. And so what I've gotten to do is I talk to this achiever all the time. I get to know it. I ask it questions like, what are you afraid of if you stop achieving? Or if you need to tell me something, what do you need to tell me? And what I've learned is the achievers protecting a whole bunch of other parts of me, like these little exiles, like my enoughness. And so I've started to unwind and unburden all these little messages that are coming into my achiever. So I'll, okay, we'll talk about the trauma. We'll, un, we'll undo that belief, right? That Burger King is the only route. And then I'll start learning about the societal messages that are affecting my achiever. And we'll say, well, are those true? Do I need to be productive in the way that capitalism tells me to be productive or can I rest? And so the more and more I get to know this little guy, the more I can undo little pieces. And then I undo other things that are happening in my system. Like my achiever part is related to my productivity part. And my achiever part is related to um, my inner critic. Actually, there's multiple inner critics. And so all this is like, me unwinding this incredible yarn ball that has gone into this little guy being online with his little knife protecting me from the world
0: okay if you have no idea what aaron is talking about with allison crow and ifs ifs is a modality called internal family systems so after this conversation you might want to head back to episode 20 and tune in it'll all make more sense Next, Aaron's going to get really radically practical and help us get clear on how we can get to know and hang out with our achiever part and start understanding why it's so determined to keep driving us relentlessly, even to our own demise. Then we can start learning about what we really want, not what fear thinks we should want. That requires slowing down and building nervous system safety, right? Because there's a part of us that feels much more content and happy, constantly striving. That's what we've taught it over the past, I don't know, how many decades? Okay, Dr. Aaron, let's riff on our natural state of achievement. I'm ridiculously excited about this. The first
1: thing I will say... Is before even thinking about unburdening, it's about getting to know these parts deeply. They have been stuffed down, some of them, for years. And they just want their little soapbox to scream. (laughs) And sometimes once they get up on their little soapbox and scream, they're good for a while. So the unburdening process you can actually get too much into the doing of the unburdening that you forget to just be with the part. So the way I like to do it is it's, it's very meditative. I close my eyes. Um, and sometimes it's asking myself what part wants to come up that day. So it doesn't have to always be the achiever or if it's, Hey, I want to connect with my achiever. And I really look for where is that showing up in my body. Last week I had a part showing up on my left shoulder and he looked like Pierce Brosnan and he was holding puppet strings. And so I start to visualize that part of me, almost like having a little personality in my system, and then I just let it talk. I ask, who are you? What do you want to say? What's on your mind? And I sit there quietly and I don't force anything and usually something will come to mind and I almost have a conversation between myself and this little part and I ask, are there any other parts that it's trying to to protect? I ask, what's it afraid of? You know, I try to get to know its beliefs. So it's almost like I'm getting to know another tiny little human within me. And eventually over time, once I get to a place of understanding all the ways in which that part is protecting, I can start asking, well, I wonder what it would be like if you had a different role. Would you like another role in my system? And sometimes it's, nope, I'm not ready to stand down. Okay, we'll continue talking, right? I have lots of parts that have been working for me for three or 4 decades, well, 37, so three decades or more. And sometimes I'll say, yeah, absolutely, I want a new role. And then we'll, we'll see what it can do in the system. So with my Achiever, I believe all of us, just like, uh, and I'm sure Allison said this in the episode, all of our parts are needed in our system. We need an achiever. And we all have a natural state of productivity or achievement. Those are two different things. And so what I'm always trying to do is go back to, well, what would be actually coming from me and my system, the type of achievement? So it comes back to well, what do I want to actually achieve and how do I want to achieve it? And how do I make sure that I'm tuning out all of those burdens that those societal messages have? put on me. And you know what? It's a constant process. I don't know all the time, whether it's not this easy going like, yep, this is a societal thing. Let me undo it. I'm going to be back being achieving from my natural state. It's more of a, I wonder what my natural state of achievement is. Hey part, let's go, let's go on a journey
0: together and find out. Okay, so I'm completely sitting on the edge of my chair, gripped by this. What would it look? Can you imagine how mind-blowing this is to actually think we have a natural state of achievement underneath all the rubble of the not-enoughness choir of parts that less are just trying to keep us safe? They're not bad or wrong, but just maybe we don't require that level of safety. And I'm super curious about how you've... So we know you've talked, talk to them, get to know them, ask if they would like a different role. But now I've kind of got to a crossroads where I'm like, Oh, I want to understand. And I'm noticing myself falling in this trap of like, I want to know how to do the natural state of yes,
1: <laughs> and, and it's, it's an experimentation process for sure. But what I, I will also say, so many of us are achieving because we have this belief that not achieving is lazy. Right. And I remember one of my first coaches I was working with her on something and she said, Aaron, if you quit your job and moved down to Mexico and sat on a beach for six months, what would happen? And I said, I'd be driven crazy. I'd have to do something. And she goes, right. The thing about laziness and I love there's a book called laziness does not exist by Dr. Devin Price. It's a fabulous, fabulous book is laziness doesn't actually exist. We've been told a lie. Um, Laziness is usually an indication that we're not doing the right thing or that we're burned out. I mean, we need rest, but all of us, if we were to sit for a really long time eventually would get back up. There is no sitting on the couch, eating Cheetos for the rest of time. And so part of the doing of achievements is actually having the courage to stop and pause and wait and wait for the movement to come and it's edgy. I will say I had this moment in the last few months where I just thought I have no inspiration. I don't want to do anything. I literally watched Netflix days upon days upon days. And I'm sitting here having those little parts tell me, Oh my God, Aaron, you're lazy. You're never going to, you're, you're going to fail. Your business is going to fall apart. All those things that come online to protect me from my laziness. And lo and behold, two or three weeks later, I'm like, I am so tired of Netflix. I actually want to do something. And that's when my book project came back. I went, no, I'm ready to write my book again. And so part of it to get back this natural achievement is to really have the courage to pause.
0: And for somebody who is in that kind of a career, like you had in Facebook and I had in my investment banking days, I'm like, yeah, well, it's fine for you to say, because you run your own business. Could that pause look different for somebody who didn't want to, or didn't have the ability to quit their job?
1: Absolutely. Um, I see the pause more as we're talking about achievement here. We're talking about goals. So independent of whether you have work to do at your work, you can take a pause on what you're striving for. You don't have to be looking at that next promotion right now. You don't have to be looking at that next title. You don't have to be looking at whatever it is that is, is the achievement out there. You can take a pause from the striving And ask yourself, what do I really want? Whether it's a couple of weeks, six months, a year, we can still mentally pause even if we're physically in the doing all the time.
0: Link this up then to the natural state of productivity, because I always often think about overachieving as a kind of addiction. We're addicted Mm -hmm. to the pellet that we get when we do the dopamine hit. And yep. I've talked about this in my solo episode, the dopamine, dopamine is the molecule of more the book that I referred yep. to, is it yep. insatiable? It's never enough, which is why yeah. for those of us who struggle with not enoughness, it's a game we can never win. The more we achieve, the more we want to achieve. Yep. And there's not any kind of, you know, it's, it's go full throttle until you drop and then hope yes. that you, you had enough, you yes. got, you got enough. So link this up to the natural productivity is it a drying out period from this kind of yeah I think it is
1: and I and what what occurred to me I had during the pandemic I remember talking to some of my coaching clients in the tech world we have this thing called minimum viable product which is basically whatever gets launched in the world say Facebook stories um we don't create the full perfect thing Out there in the world, we put out what is just minimally valuable to people that we can continue to add on to it. And I said to some clients during the pandemic, I said, What if MVP is not minimum viable product? It's minimum viable productivity. And so the edge that many of my clients who are in the corporate world, or I've done this with my entrepreneur clients too, is. When you need to get back to that natural productivity, how can you take your current work and have the courage to do the minimum viable productivity? And that means getting real honest with yourself, because I know lots of overachievers will think the minimum viable productivity is 60 hours a week or whatnot. And it may, may, may be that, and I've, I know that this happened with one of my clients, it may be that you go from 80 hours to 70 hours, and that's technically not the minimum viable productivity, but that's all the courage you can muster, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And so it's constantly coming, how can you cut back more and more so you can be doing that minimum amount and be in that pause and and showing your body, your nervous system. Because what what this really boils down to is not just our heads that are convinced we need to achieve, our whole body feels unsafe if we don't. And so when we can experience that nothing bad happens when we're less productive, we now have the evidence that we can pause, nothing bad's going to happen, and we can let our bodies reset. So... We have these achievers. These we have all the inner critics. All these thousands of parts of us that are operating on a, a regular basis. We also have this thing called self, which is um, everybody has different parts, but we all universally have the same core essence, core self. And um, in IFS, they talk about it as calm, clarity, curiosity, creativity, courage, confidence, connection, and compassion. So that's you just talking about this curiosity and creativity. And what it reminds me is that one of our natural ways to be in productivity or achievement is when it's coming from that place. When I'm curious and creative about what I can achieve and how I can achieve it, that's usually myself, my natural achievement. It is a self-directed self-led achievement or self-led productivity. So part of the other ways we can undo and get back to these natural states is to spend more time connected with ourselves, looking for when we're in that place of curiosity, when we're in that place of creativity or compassion or connection, when we feel grounded in that, that's when we are most in our natural state and natural balance. so part of what I try to do when I connect with my parts is come at it from not I'm not asking this achiever, dude, like what the fuck, man. I'm like, Hey, curiously, what's up with you?
0: You know, what's going on? I'm coming at it from compassion, curiosity. It's fascinating. I love, (laughs) love geeking out on this, this type of stuff. And I think my favorite part of this conversation has been the minimum viable productivity. Like, Oh, that lands, that feels so good. (laughs) Actually start to think about what, what does that even mean? So As we close this episode, I'm thinking about the person who is stressed out, knows that this can't go on like this, doesn't even know where to begin. And they're thinking like, oh, yeah, well, if I just start dialoguing with my inner koala bear overachiever self, they might have that layer of cynicism around it. I want you to remember when you were in that place where you were so stressed and anxious and being praised for it outwardly but inside just knowing this can't go on I want you to speak to that person right now please Mm.
1: what comes to me and I remember this so vividly because I remember the burnout I was at in 2017, when I left Facebook. And what, what comes to me is, there's nothing to do yet. You don't have to go dialogue with your koala, inner koala bear. You don't have to go undo your anxiousness. All you need to know right now is that this isn't the way you want to move forward. And that tiny, tiny steps of awareness will pay off massively. And this is a journey. I'm still there. I'm still on a regular basis talking to my therapist about my little overachiever part. So don't try to overachieve on the undoing. Everything's going to want to pull you right back in to that achievement because for however many years you've been rewarded for being and doing, not you. That's essentially what these parts are, what these parts are doing. And so it's just... Tiny, tiny shifts of data to collect that you can be back to more you and it it'll be okay. And if you slip back in, that's okay too. I still slip. That's that's part of the humanity we all have.
0: I ask every guest to lay a brick on this journey as we come back to our wholeness and move all the stuff out of the way that blocked us from ever seeing our enoughness. What would you say?
1: What I want to say is to every single person out there listening, your system has done such a fantastic job of protecting you. Such a fantastic job of protecting your enoughness. And that's all you need to know is to thank your system for everything it's done so far. You don't need to change it yet.
0: I feel that when you Mm -hmm. say that. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. If you want more Aaron Baker in your life, and let's face it, who the heck doesn't, head on over to Instagram and find them at Baker, and on their website at AaronMBaker.com. I'm convinced that the M stands for magic. That's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Thank you too for sharing this episode with whoever needs this message in their ears. Stat. I'm always grateful for your shares. Thank you. Next week on the pod, we are talking about something that we started here today. It's a solo episode about minimum viable productivity. What does that mean and what could that look like in your life? While you're here, head on over to my website and sign up for my twice weekly micro blog called The Juice to keep your enoughness stoked and pumped up in between podcast sessions. Thank you as ever for being here. I look forward to playing with you again next week. This is Mandy Leto signing out for Enough, the podcast.